0: Hello and welcome to Don Father, a family podcast about the African Football Club. Now some of you may have been waiting a long time for this episode, some of you maybe not, but we have been on a little bit of a hiatus and as with everything in 2020 and 2021, we're actually going to blame COVID because why not, it's a convenient excuse. The reality is we've just been really busy and we've had some life stuff come ahead, but um, we're here now and we're ready to wrap up last season, the trade period, the draft period, and we're ready to talk all things 2021 about the Essendon Football Club. Now with me tonight is Matthew.
1: Evening. Good to be here as usual.
0: It's always good fun when we're on the pod. Tell me what's <laughs> sorry, what's been going on. Tell me about your life, Christmas, New Year's, all that sort of stuff.
1: Well, I actually uh, spent a fair bit of time with you because I don't think we should go about me. Uh, you had a very special uh, uh, ceremony or occasion come up. Do you want to... Well, I don't know if you want to take us through that, but I'm if... oh, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify. Nicholas uh, got married, married the lovely uh, Ashley, um, and now she's banished herself to uh, a lifetime of... Uh, Essendon FC talk uh, amongst other things
0: right, but, uh, that's right you know the wedding almost didn't happen
1: that's true that's true um i heard you were just so angry about Danavera you didn't want to you didn't want to get 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 uh, get married
0: well it wasn't quite that reason it's not the reason you might think actually about um about 2 weeks before we uh we were having a little bit of a lovers a lovers tiff um i think Ashley had left a coffee cup on the on the um, coffee table. <laughs> the coffee table. Uh, and we were just having a little bit of a heated discussion, and one of the retorts was, "That's it, I'm going for Richmond." And <laughs> in about ten seconds. It was curtains. Wedding off.
1: Oh wow, that's that is uh, that's due recent. That's definitely uh, I, I'd be uh, you know willing to send out a few emails and. Sorry, guys. Not on. But, mm-hmm. hey, before – I think this, this is a story that sums you up pretty well. Do you want to tell the listeners through uh, what you're actually doing during the morning of your wedding? <laughs> this, wow. The, the, the lead-up to – particularly the lead-up to, to leaving for the wedding. But g- give I'm us really – of- Go on.
0: We, we had about an hour off, uh, you know, before we, the photographer came, as they do, the photos of us, uh, looking quite dapper, And then we had about an hour to kill. So turns out that that's exactly the right amount of time to watch the entire last battle of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> so we just sat there and watched the end of Avengers Endgame, the, the culmination of 10 years of movie history. Coming together in that last hour, and I, uh, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but perhaps the best part of the day.
1: Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I'm, a good thing Ashley doesn't listen to these. Hey, otherwise you it might. It is uh, a very good. Thing. <laughs> you might get a big clap, uh, slap over the the back of the head. But there's actually a little bit of a story about the the Don Father himself, uh, who is your father. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So you can imagine we're all getting uh, dressed, uh, photographers taking photos, and. Prior to getting dressed, uh, the Don father had, had had gone to the local cafe, uh, purchased some egg and bacon rolls, cronuts, uh, croissants, you name it, it was there, I dropped some off, um, and we're all sort of eating, whatever, before we put the suits on because white shirt, sure, you know, you just don't want to take any risks. Anyway, we all get suited up, whatever. Uh, you actually go to say, hey, I want a cronut, and we're having to just pull you back and say, no, 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 <laughs> you're not going near it. Um, and then the Don, the Don Father, rocks up. Um, he's dressed to the nines. Uh, so we, we've all agreed no eating. And the Don Father, with without any sort of regard for what we'd established, just took off the suit jacket, rolled up the sleeves, and uh, just decided to dig into an egg and bacon roll. And to everyone's amaze, did not wasn't a single drip, not even on the plate. There, it was not just yeah, it was a class act. So. Uh, congrats to the Donfather,
0: hey. Well, you don't get to the title of Donfather without some skills when it comes to the culinary arts, right? <laughs> no,
1: you don't. You don't. <laughs> Big part of being oh. uh, uh, Italian, I suppose.
0: That's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, I mean, this story time with Matthew is perhaps my favourite part of the podcast, but that's not why the listeners are here, Matthew. No, They don't want to right. hear about the wedding. What they want to hear about is the mighty Essendon Football Club. And there's a lot of news to cover. So I think today, what we might do on this launch of the 2021 season of the Don Father, I think we might cover what we've missed so far. So we'll go over the trades in ins and outs. We'll have a chat about that. We'll have a chat about who we drafted. And then we can wrap that all up and see really what we think of the preseason so far and where we think we might end up uh this time next year so why don't we take a little break and then when we come back we'll jump straight in welcome back to the Don Father. and of course it's the start of 2021 but as you know because of our big hiatus we did miss the end of 2020 and perhaps the biggest off-season that in the most recent history of the Essendon Football Club when there was talk of player divides, a mass exodus, and really you couldn't get a good news story out of Villa through that whole period. What do you reckon, Matthew?
1: Well, yeah, funny. Well, yeah, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. It, it was pretty sour for a little bit. I mean, it did actually change, and we'll, we'll get into this, um, around the time sort of, you know, Caldwell flared interest and. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember who else uh, had a bit of interest in us, but um, Definitely
0: Josh Dunkley
1: Dunkley, sorry, how could I forget that uh, fine specimen of a human Ugh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was pretty sour there while we had, uh, uh, you know those who shall not be named uh, you know, putting their head up and say no, I, I want out um, but a, a, a look, we'll get into this in a sec, but upon reflection, probably not Look a bad result for our immediate uh, sort of future, but long term I, I, I do see some there there is some uh, a silver lining to a to a very like grey cloud.
0: Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you. I think our fortunes over the next few years took quite a dive from this off season. And really, looking back and I mean hindsight always gives you twenty twenty vision, right? Uh, said a pun there, 2020 vision. Um, however, um, you would say that the loss of Danaher and Fantasia in particular, probably we should have torn the Band-Aid off a couple of years ago now um, or certainly last year and just gotten it done and been a year ahead of where we're at right now. Now, I understand um, the whole process of, of not letting your best players walk out the door, and, and doing your best to turn them around. But as has come out in the media, you know, over the last few months, and and those sorts of things, that clearly the culture at Essendon, and hopefully it's different now, but was very very broken, and the um the pressure cooker that was the hubs just made that exponentially worse. And so, with with the view of hindsight, I was definitely in the camp of keeping Danaher and trying to change his mind. But knowing what we know about the culture of the football club, I reckon we should have um, started the clean out a year ago and therefore have been a year ahead now where we would have been last year.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, I I tend to disagree. I think you sort of owe it to your fans that you do everything you can to keep your star player, particularly... it give given the circumstance, it wasn't like he was playing and just hated his teammates around him or anything like that. You know, I I I, I don't know Joe, but you'd assume that a lot of his frustration grew from the lack of playing time he got and probably a lack of faith in the in the medical team or the rehabilitation team, etc. Um, but I, I mean, I do uh, as as much as it hurts to lose that sort of star power. Look. If Joe Dunne stayed at Essendon, he was never going to get to his to his best. Uh, you know mm-hmm. whether it's just the, the way of thinking of our medical team or how they're approaching him, uh, um, just just didn't work. Um, Raz probably in a similar boat. I'd be interested to see if if, if Port Adelaide can get him up and going, but a similar mm-hmm. boat um, seemed to have bought out of the of the club. Um, Italian like ourselves, so very very family oriented, um, and obviously he's got a lot of family. Oh, he's he's from. Adelaide um but yeah I mean we discussed on the, on a couple of uh, episodes ago that Sard's probably one that hurts because he's a recruit we brought in and within such a short time frame it bought out of the club um so quickly hard to know I mean if he just didn't agree with how Rutten saw his role you go well what can you do um but uh, and we'll, I guess we'll touch on this later on. I don't mind the addition of, of Nick Hind if he's going to play that role. Um, given the like, I think he plays a position where you can afford to sort of take a hit in terms of the quality of player. But Hind will still play a similar role with with similar attributes. So you can almost take the the wish version of Adam Sard and Nick Hind, and it's not that big a loss given how Rutten probably wants to play. Um, Mm. So, I
0: don't know. Take it it what you will. I tend to agree with you in in that regard. But here's how I know that the culture at Essendon was really bad. Because I'm in Brisbane right now for work. And why you would want to live here, I have no idea. The weather (laughs) is terrible. It's (laughs) humid. There's bogans everywhere. I want to know what Big Joe's doing. And in fact, I'm going to out on work tomorrow and I'm going to find Danaher and I'm going to serenade him with songs until he changes his mind and comes back to
1: Melbourne. <laughs> um, I mean, shout out to all our Brisbane fans. <laughs>
0: fans we do not even have fans in Melbourne, let <laughs> alone in Brisbane.
1: No, they'll be all right. They're up, they're up there. If they're not there yet, they will be. But, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe, I mean, is he someone who likes the sort of uh quiet, uh, humid nature of, of Brisbane? Uh, I don't know. Um, could be. Yeah, you raise a fair point.
0: Let's run through it, all right? So we'll go to the list and then we can – we'll see how we go. We can break it down trade for trade as well. But this is the list of outs. Joe Danaher to Brisbane. Adam Sard to the team that shall not be named. Uh, Arazio Fantasia off to Port. Uh, we lost pick 29 to GWS, pick 48 to the team that shall not be named. Pick 67 to St Kilda, pick 73 to Port Adelaide, um, a future fourth rounder to Gold Coast, and pick 78 also to the team that shall not be named. Um, and the ins we've got Jai Caldwell, Peter Wright, Nick Hind. Pick seven, pick eight, pick forty-four, a future third-round pick, pick seventy-seven, and pick eighty-seven.
1: And, and and pick six is is that was that included in the compensation for Danner?
0: No, no, seven was compensation. Six was our pick. Ah, we, gotcha,
1: gotcha. Sorry, yeah. We
0: didn't kick a goal after halftime of round <laughs> one. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm- it's um. Yeah, I guess what I mean—that sort of wraps up our, uh, our trade period. But I, I guess looking forward, what opportunity that al- allows us now, and, and where I think—I mean, you look at a, a year like twenty sixteen, where um, it was all doom and gloom, and it was, all, you know, perhaps the worst period, um, or worst one of the worst time periods for the club in its in its history. But the reward that came from having a year where your youngsters were handed. So many games and so much experience. Um, I, I almost feel, not that it's deja vu, but when you know you have the, a, a good crop of of senior talent in Danaher, Fantasia, Sard, um, you know, McKernan was older, but I'm sure definitely had some uh, impact in terms of the the dynamics and 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 uh, standards upheld by the group. When you remove that and allow the sort of youngsters, you know, Langford, McGrath, Parish. Uh, List will go on. Although listeners know who it is um, or who they are, um, that will be so powerful for them to now say, "Hey, here's the keys. This, this is you know what. Whatever you want to make of it, this is your group to own now." So, mm-hmm. as much as it, like we said before, as much as it hurts your immediate future, I think this could be a really profound time that we might look back in three or four years and go, "You know what? Thank gosh, Dan and her Fantasia, Saad, et cetera." You know walked away because without that, um, the guys who were, you know, in three or four years' time will be in their prime wouldn't have got the opportunity to do what they were able to do at 22, 23, 24, 25.
0: um, Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But the thing to remember about 2017 is those players that got games and gained experience, the two big ones, well, there was three. There was Waller, there was Danaher, and there was Fantasia. They were the three that were really exciting that year. Yeah, um, correct. Yeah. And you know, Parish Parish and Fran- well, not so much Francis, those players played as well. But the two big ones that we were really excited about were Danaher and, and Fantasia. But we digress. We've we've all of our episodes so far have been a tear fest about the loss of those. Let's let's look forward. So let's have a look at trade number one, right? So Essendon got uh, Peter Wright, two meter Peter, in exchange for a future fourth round pick. So that in isolation is Virtually nothing. Um, We essentially got Peter Wright for free. And as far as I know, Gold Coast are paying quite a hefty chunk of his salary cap as well. What do you think about this?
1: I like it. Uh, Look, low cost, um, sort of a a high potential for reward. Um, So why wouldn't you? We we need a a body to fill in there. Um, Look, I haven't. I can't say I've watched too many Gold Coast games in the past. Um, rated as a youngster so you never know he only needs to contribute. if he kicks one or two goals a game for us all year he's, he's, he's uh, paid himself back in spades so um, mm. and I think you know someone who's rated as a youngster you know he might have a bit of a chip in his shoulder coming in. maybe it's just my wishful essence of thinking but um,
0: for the price we paid I, I think that's a very good deal. Yeah, I think the way I look at it is he's an upgrade on McKernan, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and McKernan, I I have a lot of time for Sean McKernan. I was sad to see him go um, because I think at the very least he brought effort. I think he was just a couple centimetres too short to be a real gun in his position, but he could do some freakish things in terms of his hands, in terms of his kicking from outside 50. Um, So I, I really like McKernan. I think... Peter Wright is the same player with the height that McKernan lacked and so potentially could be an upgrade on McKernan. And if he is, I'm I'm okay with it. But I don't think he's going to be our number one or number two forward, um, which I'm a little bit apprehensive going into the season. Um, a yeah. little bit apprehensive going into the season with uh, James Stewart, as much as I love him, as our number one goal-kicking forward? Well, the
1: talk is around the track that he's actually been playing um, sort of half-back. So um, I wonder mm-hmm. if, if that spells maybe a hooker hurley throw forward, uh, one of the two, um, and or just a chance for Harrison Jones to sort of strut his stuff, uh, probably moving well at training. I mean, everyone's moving well at training this time of this year. This time of year. Um, but, I mean, you never know. Even if you know Peter Wright's got to come in because, you know, Jonesy, look at me already giving him a nickname, um, you know, just, just can't back up week after week. Um, I, I, I'm fine with that. Um, or even, you know, he has to play a third tall or something like that. I, I'm, o- I'm yeah. okay with the idea that, um, you know, Harrison Jones, as, as much as I, I do like him, we haven't seen much of him, I've only seen his junior sort of stuff, um, it, 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 it's good for him to have some competition at that position and it's good for us as a team to also go. Okay, well, he can't back it up week after week. We've got a solid sort of player we can we can put in.
0: Mm, yeah, I'd, I'd happily if if it's not going to affect his body and his development, I would happily play Indiana Jones every week um, oh, course, for all of yeah. 2021. Um, I, I have no qualms with that and let him just get some experience. Um, but it, it depends on our expectations for the year. If we're looking at a year that. It's all about development, which in in my mind I think it is, then I'm happy for that to happen. If if we built this list in order to tread water for a couple of years while that development happens, yeah, I'm I'm apprehensive. I don't think I'm I'm not sure how we'll go. But um yeah, I guess to some sum upgrade number one, I think, you know, as an upgrade on McKernan, I think we've done pretty well for for not much. Yeah,
1: look. I, I mean, this is sort of going off topic now, but I think uh, looking at our list and say, "Oh, we're going to tread water for a couple of years," we are absolutely shooting ourselves in the foot. I think every in recent history, every team who's gone, no, nah, this is just a development year for us. Despite the fact that it may be, um, as soon as you sort of admit that and and look at it that way, I think your culture shot because automatically you you stop going for wins. Um or, or just, you know, get that sort of dogma that um it's not so much about competing as it is about playing a certain way. Um mm. I, I I really would be disturbed if we if we did that. But I think that's a different that's a different story. Um so Yeah, I, I agree. Next I agree. next trade.
0: So the next one um is the loss of Adam Sard, And I guess we'll go into this a little bit more when we cover who came in, in the draft because it's hard to look at this in isolation now. Um, but essentially, we got pick eight for Adam Sard, which um, I think, given he's the best small defender in the game, I think it's if it's overs, it's only by two or three picks. I think he's definitely a pick 10 um, value. Uh, so pick eight's probably, we got a little bit of overs for him, in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll,
1: we'll take that. Um, but again, that's a full credit to Dodoro doing his job, playing hardball, getting what, what we're... Uh you know, what he's worth and all. more, doing his job for us. And
0: eh, I can't, can't complain, can we? Do <laughs> well, you know what my favourite part, um, you know part of Trade Week was? Was listening to Trade Radio and listening to all the Carlton Nuffies saying, <laughs> well, we've got the upper hand because we'll just walk him to the draft and we'll take him with pick eight. And it's like, well, there's so many teams before you that would do that. And if you're going to use pick eight on him anyway, just hand it over, you idiots. Like, I uh, just... Did not understand their logic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, got him in the end. So, and plus they're paying him all that money, so they must rate him a fair bit, and, and rightly yeah, so. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So again, with um, with this trade, it's kind of in. We'll look at trade three and trade four together. So trade three was a Fantasia for pick twenty nine and Port Adelaide's future third round pick, in um, exchange for Fantasia and, and seventy three. So, um, that was then on traded, uh, to GWS for pick 40. No, no, we sent pick 44, 74. Um, no, let's start this again. We sent 29 and a future second round selection for pick 44, pick 74, and Jai Caldwell. Oh baby, was this my favourite trade of the whole period?
1: Hmm, very, very nice addition. Um, only thing I was sceptical about him was his size and the fact we've got a ton of uh short meatball <laughs> um type players. But um, now very exciting. I mean, to get a kid, uh, I mean, it's essentially another first round draft pick for mm. what, what cost us what a second rounder. So uh, now two second rounders, two second rounders. So. Uh, and it also doubled up in that we got a first round pick back for shield um into because the, mm. the two first round reset for shield one of them was cool. he was one of them yeah yeah so we you know got that back so sort of sweetened that but uh, yeah I, I I'm excited by it uh, like I said before he'll 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 come on the back of this sort of young group that's taking over him and, and, and make it himself so um
0: yeah I agree i think um I think he is of a similar build to Joel Selwood. Yeah, Um, And I don't think anybody has any qualms as to his ability, particularly throughout his career, to win the contested football. Yeah. Um, So I I understand, you know, and we'll we'll get to the, the failed trade a little bit later, but I understand everyone's desire to get a big body inside mid, but he is a specialist inside mid. So, and if he's been doing it his whole career, he's not particularly big. He'd be playing particularly through the draft um, under 18 competition he would have been playing against bigger boys than him and yet he was still considered you know a top 10 pick so I'm you know he might have to adapt his game a little bit but i I think his quality and I think he's at 20 years old he's he adds to our rebuild you know he's the same age as Ridley. Um or maybe a year younger than Ridley. He's he's part yeah. of that group that's coming through. I, I really like this trade. The the fact that we got him to nominate us and that we got the deal done, I was really happy with.
1: Yeah, I think he's a couple of years younger than Ridley, but yeah, no, you make a good point with uh with and um, the Salwood comparison. So hopefully that's uh that does live to be true. Um but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, he'll I'm I'm excited for him. And seems to have a bit of a head on his shoulders as well, which is
0: which is good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I quite, I was, I've been happy with his interviews and I'm, I'm quite excited by the prospect of him. I mean, he's not going to be Joel Selwood, like, let's, let's calm the farm on oh, that one. N- but, but I think he's he's going to add to a really solid up-and-coming midfield group. If you look at our midfield group around his age, um, you know, Langford, McGrath, Cordwell, Parrish, um, Merritt's a little bit older, but that that young core coming through, and we'll get to one when we get to the draft as well, I think we're starting to put together a really solid core that will develop and play a lot of football together for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I think your oldest there is only Sheil, who's 27, 28. Let me Google mm, that. Be... Let me Google I think you
0: Googled, mate.
1: Quick one, Dylan Sheil. He's 27 years old, so he's not...
0: Oh, so he's still he's got he's got at least three years, if not four or five, good years of footy ahead of him. Yeah, so I think
1: Zach's only um, uh, twenty five. So uh, yeah,
0: so it is it is you know maybe maybe it's not as bad as we we think. Yeah, Zach's only twenty five. Um, yeah, um, yeah. That's think, that's if we if we keep him on the list, the old Zach Merritt. But that's a different story for another day. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, next next trade.
0: So tr- the the. Trade number five, the final trade that we did. uh, We got Nick Hind and pick 77 in exchange for picks 67 and 74. So, again, pretty much free. Um, Well, I would say definitely free, considering we didn't use any of those picks at all. Um, You know, 26-year-old, he has some real pace, Mm. real, real pace. I, I do... Really like Nick kind And I remember watching him in the VFL and um, being disappointed the year he got drafted to St Kilda because I thought, geez, would be a good addition for us.
1: Yeah, I do, I do remember him watching, I think it was a prelim final uh, we played mm. in the VFL. Yeah, I do remember watching him there. Um, yeah, I, I think, well, I mean, we discussed this off air a few weeks ago, but um, especially if Heppel, if they do push Heppel um, behind the ball, which I just have a feeling that they might. Um mm-hmm. we've got enough use there with Ridley, um, Heppel. Just really having a think here, but he, he doesn't need to be anything more than a role player for us. Um and he can yeah, add some right. he can add some dash. Um I'm not sure of his kicking ability. Uh, but he, he it doesn't need to do anything special. Just sort of playing his man, shutting down, give us a little bit of run, um, allow a sort of better ball user behind the ball to, to use it. Um and he's 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 done his thing and and uh filled the sort of role that Sadi might have might have well not might have would have had in front of him. So um
0: yeah. uh, and can he's I, what I like a lot. Yeah, and I think um I think Mason Redmond who dealt with OP last year, um yeah, good call. you know, and we, we know how poorly our medical staff have handled that in the past with big name players. But I think if he um can get over it and and get back to his best, which I think Mason Redmond's one of my favourite players. I, I really rate him when he's, when he's at his best. I think he's a really good player. Um, you know, him, Nick Hind, Heppel running through there. I think our half-back line will be okay with the addition of Hind. I, I think he's from, I mean, I'm no, I haven't measured their speed, but I feel like he's quicker than Saad, or at least he can, um, he may have less acceleration, but his top speed is able to maintain for longer. Um, from what I've seen of him. So I, I think he's he's a really good pickup. I'm really excited by him.
1: Yeah, I, I have, a i mean, this is, again, a different different uh, story, but I feel like if you go back and watch Sardi's 2017-2018 highlights, he seems to be a little bit dashier than what he was last mm. year in 2019. Could just be me just sort of uh, a bit angry at him. But, um, yeah, I, I, if, if he can just, yeah, have that sort of, it, the the hustle on Adam Sard given you know he would you know the chase downs, the uh you know the ability second, third efforts, that's all Nick Han needs to bring to the table um for him to mm-hmm. really feel the role. So um yeah, yeah uh, look, could could be nothing given he you know it was just a not just a VFL talent, I'm sorry he could play some decent football being able to play at that level, but um yeah. It cost us nothing. So um yeah. can only can only sort of improve, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think the difference between him and Saad is that Saad is so good defensively. Yeah. Um whereas whereas I don't know that about Nick Hind. Um but having said that, if if you play if a player doesn't want to be there, they're not going to perform at their best. And Nick Hind definitely wants to be at Essendon. so that's a really exciting prospect for us going forward. Um I I think he fills a role. I think it's a, a smart trade and I think getting um someone back into the club is is it's a positive for our football club at this stage.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. agree, right, and then I, sorry, go
0: on. And I was just gonna say, um trade number six that did not happen. Ah. The old Josh Dunkley into Bomberland. Very very disappointing.
1: Mm, mm, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I actually kind of feel so. Ma- imagine having to go back to work when you've publicly stated, "Hey, I want to be somewhere else." So um, mm. we'll see. We'll see how that plays out over the year.
0: Um, yeah, I think. I, I think that's less of an issue. I think. Um, I think players ask for trades all the time, and yeah. it doesn't necessarily become public. Um, but. Certainly the whole playing group knows that they've asked for trades. And I think they're pretty pragmatic, the The players. I think they understand that, that it's a job. And yeah. for whatever reason, you know, moving a football club, I don't think they begrudge each other that that opportunity. Um, I think the, the media and the fans make more of it than the players do, to be honest.
1: Yeah, potentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I... I don't. Know. yeah it's hard for me to comment I when neither of us are in that environment because uh, um, I, like I think about it from an amateur um, standpoint and yeah if you you know it does sort of uh, you sort of do think well who, who can I trust um, or you know can I trust you if you sort of know they're not really on board but that's from an amateur perspective um, you know when you talk about yeah. big money deals and that sort of thing you know, maybe that sort of does, I'm sure that does sort of factor in a little bit more that, um, you know, the guy was just sort of looking after his his interests, which is fair enough too. So you got to get what you, what you can.
0: Well, I've, I've got a little bit of um, whispers from a little birdie. Um, and apparently uh, Josh Dunkley is a real stand-up, straight-laced, you know, doesn't muck around kind of kid. Um, and he, the issues that he had with the Bulldogs haven't changed seemingly. Um, and there's a belief that there's a little bit of a rat pack at the Bulldogs and that, um, Josh Dunkley doesn't want to be part of it and doesn't want to be around it. So there's, there's a couple of things that, that make me think that maybe we can have another go next year. And that is that, um, he not only are those, you know, that group of players still there, but they've brought in Adam Treloar, which is just going to push him further in the pecking order in terms of midfield time.
1: Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, I, I, I've i heard that rumor too about the sort of rat pack, uh, formula. I'm not sure, I mean, I haven't heard whether Dougley really likes it or not. I don't know the guy, but um. Yeah, I, I, that you you raise a fair point. Um, if he was a frustrated um, with the forward time he spent last year, and now you add Adam Trelaw into the mix, my well, yeah, I, I think we we might be pretty well placed uh, next year. Does he run out of contract next year, or do we have to go for a trade again?
0: I think he had he had two years left, so he's got this year in, um, being 2021 and being twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two left, but. The potential with only one year left at the end of this year is that I think he's a free agent after that, so um they may decide that you know trading in a year early is going to be better than letting him walk for free
1: yeah yeah i I wonder what we could without knowing um what we've what we've got to offer what what we can put that way but- uh, given we use so many picks but um Yeah, perhaps we did. Yeah,
0: sorry, go. Well, the three picks that we've used essentially mean, the three first-round picks mean that we can trade all our first-round picks for the next three years. Um, It's only the fourth year that we have to use one first-round pick because you have to use two across a four-year period. And, of course, we've used three. So over the next – so that would be – 2021, 22, 23. So it's not until 2024 potentially that we would have to use a first round pick.
1: Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was confusing. I was still thinking um, we were out of it with the Shield and Smith deals, but um, my bad. <laughs> I was, yeah. No, no, no.
0: The, the t- three, t- I mean, I mean we're, we're, uh, we're ruining our, our, um, what's it called? Our hook for after the break. But um. Yes, yeah, spoiler alert for all you Essendon fans. Six months later, we used three first round picks, um, so we don't need to. We can trade them away over the next few years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I guess after
1: the break, we'll uh, discuss uh, what we thought of the uh, selection. Um, that
0: we'll yeah, make. well, well, just to finish up on on Dunkley, the the word is that um, the Bulldogs were asking for uh, one of our really early picks, so eight or nine, six, seven or eight. Um, plus next year's first rounder, which um, Dodoro thought, well, whoever makes ultimately makes the decision. Let's not bri- blame the man who deserves a statue. Um, ultimately, was overs um, because next year's draft is supposed to be a bumper. Um, and look, I I understand his his position. I, I would would have been disappointed had we let um, two first round picks this year and next year go for Josh Dunkley. I would have been happy with with a first this year and perhaps a second next year or a first and a second this year or split out one of our firsts into two later firsts, you know, all, all the machinations. I would have been happy with that. But um I'm I'm content given that we got Jai Caldwell in, that we kept next year's first rounder, which potentially we might end up trading for um for him anyway but at least we've taken those three first-rounders this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I would have been pretty shitty if we had have, uh, yeah, paid overs again, similar to probably given the uh, the state of our list, if we had have, uh, given away something as valuable as a draft pick. Um, sorry, as a first-round draft pick that we didn't have to, or two first-round draft picks that we didn't have to, um, hmm. I yeah, would have... It uh, yeah, wouldn't have been a good move, but, uh, but thankfully we didn't. We stood our ground as uh, the man normally does, Mr. Dodoro.
0: Here we are. Well, like any good sandwich, Matthew, like any panini that you might cut and put some salami, you know, some rocket, maybe some bocconcini and some tomatoes in there. It's no good if you've only got one half of the bread. <laughs> so after the break. <laughs>
1: Second
0: half on top. All right, speak to you then. All right, listeners, as we mentioned before the break, now is the second half of this great Panini. Let's talk about how we went at the National Draft. Matthew, do you want to kick this one off?
1: yeah i will uh i actually can't remember the uh Nick Cox was our first uh pick uh
0: pick number eight Nicholas cox
1: a fellow uh I don't know, grammar uh graduate so uh um,
0: yes and like any great student nicknamed the pencil
1: yes he was he's, he's uh <laughs> i, I he's, i'm a few years uh Above him, I'm, I'm not sure if we had Nicky on, he could have explained that, but I believe it's due to his uh, slim frame. But no, he's a good man, uh, young Nick. Um, but yeah, I, I like this um, pig. Um, I like anything incident does at the moment. I like it. <laughs> uh, but a great, uh, great, very tall, very long. Um, obviously, a very uh, skinny frame given um, that's probably why it's called the pencil. Um, but a a very good uh attack on the footy. You know, can get up there, take a mark, reads it well, quite skillful. Um won our two K time trial, so great athlete, but um, by no means is he sort of a pick of um and can actually kick real well on both sides of the body. So um by no means is this, you know, just picking an athlete at the at the top um of the of the of the list. We we've got a genuine footballer. I think he'll be a half back. I think that's where he's best suited, just from watching his school games. Uh, but but can be a swing man for us as well. So um, I, yeah, no, I like him. Um,
0: I, I actually had um, had a good chat to uh, one of his coaches, mm-hmm. and he mentioned the same thing. I I look I was looking at his highlights, and I thought, oh, we've got a beauty here. We've drafted a a great you know number one or number two for for Indiana Jones to play alongside, um, and certainly his highlights. Demonstrated some really strong marking and some great kicking left and right and apparently takes set shots on his left as well as his right. So very, very good skills. But um, yeah, his junior coach seems to believe the same as you, that he'll he'll be an elite centre-half back and really be able to set up play from there. My only concern is that we already have Ridley as that sort of centre-half back who's the exact same height, 199. Um, and we've drafted um, Zerk, Thatcher in previous years, and Francis is, is coming along. Now, Francis hasn't developed as much as we'd like, but I think he sort of fills that role as well. So I'm, I'm interested that, and, and when we get to, you know, spoiler alert, when we get to pick 10, um, we've drafted another tall defender. So I'm, that's my only concern is that if they're going to play him at the back, there's not enough spots for all of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um... Well, I actually think Ridley's better off as a sort of a third tall who you know can play small or tall, and it actually allows us to play not Ridley have to go toe to toe with a with a gun, but can play on sort of a, a lesser forward. Um, so, take that. what you will have. Having said that, at AFL level, they're probably all all good. But um, I yeah, it's a similar problem to what we had um, in sort of twelve to fourteen when we had. <laughs> Ryder, Bell Chambers, Carlisle, Hurley, Hooker. Um, geez, who else are we? Up- oh, I, I can't think about But we had an oversupply of, of big men
0: and, and things yeah, happen. Um, yeah, and they, they end up – they don't all end up at your club. And, and yeah, Dana Hurley. Perhaps just really, really good foresight by Dodoro because, you know, that list that we had in 2012, 2013 without going into the saga um, – that was a, a premiership quality list that, you know, we had we, – and we've spoken about this in previous episodes. We had a Brownlow medalist. We had really good quality in front and behind the ball. So, look, Dodoro's has done it before. Um, so I, I, I would not, you know, I would not question the great man. But that's my only concern if we decide to play him at centre-half back.
1: Yeah, and I think um, they're, they're great. I mean, having big men also, they're great trade Stock as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to think of another example in the AFL, but I, I can't at the moment. But it's, it, I mean, you can have too many mids, and a mid that can't get a game sort of loses value. But I, I don't know if mm. the, if, a, if a tall who can't get a game loses as much value. So, um, particularly if, if you, you know, they're, they're still around that pretty fresh age of 20 to 22 not getting games, got a lot of talent. Clubs are coming after them. We can still ask for a decent price and get a decent return on them. Um, mm. So, uh, it, yeah, and and I, I don't think it's a bad move. Um, I was about to say have over Ruck, but we've got um, Sammy Draper. So, um, yeah, a really solid spine coming to fruition, it seems. And it, mm. we also don't know what we're going to get out of, of Zerk Thatcher. Um, That's right. Or, uh, or even Cox or Reid, we we don't know how good they're going to be. So, um, yeah. and we still need to to fill up forward with with Harry Jones and, and someone else. So, I I think having and they you know if someone's getting injured, someone wants to walk away. You you need depth, so it's not a problem in my books.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't have any issues with an overabundance of quality in your key position defenders.
1: Well, um, yeah, tolls in general,
0: really. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, And also, we don't know what they're planning for next year, drafting-wise. There might be a really good forward that that they've got their eye on. Um, You know, or they might fool us all and and turn Cox into a forward or play him as a forward.
1: Yeah, they might, and he might become a gun. (laughs) Well, Mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a bit of a, uh, you know, Lloyd Lucas, Fletcher. Who else did we have back in the day? Because this could be the, the, the the formation of it. <laughs> it could be. It could yeah. be. It's
0: optimistic, so, isn't it? So, yeah, but Essendon supporters are nothing if not blindly optimistic. <laughs> Look at the last twenty years. Oh, I love it! I absolutely love it. Yeah. And then the next. Speaking of uh, speaking of optimism, pick number nine, Archie McDreamy Perkins, recruited from the Sandringham Dragons uh, and Brighton Grammar. And he is a medium forward slash midfielder. He's one eighty five centimeters and eighty seven kilos. Um, that's that's fairly hefty for someone his age. That's quite solid.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, he's widely reported as the, uh, the uh, it's probably the most AFL ready recruit that we've got. Um, so and probably. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to feel the role that Dunkley had, but a similar sort of body type. So uh, I don't think he'll produce that sort of level. Th- Part of me that early, but um, if you know, it's it is. If we don't get the man we're looking for in Dunkley, um, he could be the guy.
0: I think um, my watching of his highlights and, and and what I've read on him recently. Um, is that he was a bottom-age player, as they all were last year, and he spent a lot of time sort of off the half-forward flank. Okay. And potentially would have played full-time midfield in his development this year, uh, which potentially he could have been anything. Uh, from watching his highlights, I anticipate that he'll probably have a similar... Now, I'm not saying he's going to be this good, right? But he's going to have a similar development program to Gary Ablett Jr. in that he stepped into football playing as a small forward, um, half-forward flanker, and then moved, played his best years as a full-time midfielder. Um, and then obviously later in his career at Geelong, he stepped back into that sort of high half-forward role. So I can see him almost replacing Orazio this year. And again, I don't think he's going to be at Horatio's level at his best to begin with. But I, I can see a spot in the twenty-two to put him on a half forward flank and leave him there, and then throw him through the midfield occasionally.
1: Yeah, fair call, fair call. I, I mean, I can't remember who this to me, but there's comparison to that. Uh, again, not going to say he's going to be this good, but that Martin Five, um, probably that Martin, like mostly forward, but just sort of pitch pitches in the middle, gets gets a bit going, and then will sort of rest forward. Is that is that sort of? He seems to be that type of player.
0: That's the impression I got. And, I mean, I only saw videos of highlights. But um, he has that that speed and explosiveness that you get from the very, very exciting midfielders. Like, we haven't really had a gun midfielder like that really since Jason Johnson um, that was in the top echelon of the competition. Don't get me wrong. Like, Zach Merritt potentially could get there. But I wouldn't say Zach Merritt is a top five in the competition midfielder, whereas no. um, the talk around Archie Perkins is that he could become that type of player, um, that sort of Chris Judd, explosive um, ball winner that, you know, is good with the ball in hand. He's not just an extractor. He can actually turn games.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. So I was going to uh, say Joe Watson's probably the last person to be a top five midfielder, but... Um... Different different type of player as you say, yeah,
0: extractor. Yeah, yeah, Watson Watson was a pure yeah extractor. you know, Watson was a was a football genius, pure extractor, right? Whereas i what I'm saying, you know, no disrespect to anyone that's put on the the jumper over the last twenty years, but that dynamic, explosive yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of kind of player, which, you know, admittedly we have in Dylan Shield, but I you know, even Dylan Shield at this stage of his career is not the, a top five in the competition midfielder.
1: Yeah, I um, again, okay, we're going off topic, but I feel like Shield. I uh, almost think not, not pure outside, but he can't bear the brunt of the load inside. Mm-hmm. He needs to be, there needs to be facilitators around him for him to be at his best. Like mm. I uh, said, when he turns around, yeah. yeah, he can really go for it. But
0: uh, yeah, I agree, I, and I think that's why Caldwell's a really good addition because mm. that's yet another player. We talked about this on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, but um, that the Bombers have too many similar type players and that extra inside midfielder just pushes everyone closer to their optimal positions. So bringing in Caldwell, even if he's just a rotation of the inside mid, that means um, that Zach Merritt and and Dylan Scheel can play Eighty percent on the outside, rather than sixty percent on the outside. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, so, so I guess with the, the strength of, or the potential strength of Perkins is that he can, and I'm asking because I haven't seen, but um, is that he can extract it himself, but also be useful on the outside, just sort of when and where he's needed.
0: Yeah, the, the, what I've seen of his um, clearances are they're Chris Judd like in that he's not. He's not grabbing it and handballing it out. He's getting it and busting it out of the pack. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Okay. So really exciting type. Just so you need something to happen, bang, throw him in there.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's exciting. So I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm really excited by by Mr. Perkins. Um, the next one on the list, pick number ten, Zach Reed from the Gippsland Power. Now he's a tall defender, two hundred and two centimeters, but. Weighs less than Mister Perkins at eighty-two kilos. So, if Nick Cox is the pencil, uh, I would call Zach Reed the straw.
1: <laughs> oh boy, that's a, a I didn't expect that. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know too much about Zach Reed to be honest with you. Um, mm. I, I I mean, I envision pretty similar to, to Cox. Um, they can read it well. Uh, big boy, it sounds like. Um, I'm sure the Essendon uh, recruiting staff have done their homework, but uh, with all due respect to him, I don't know too much about him. Uh,
0: lots, I- of, um, lots of comparisons to uh, Harris Andrews. Uh, okay. A similar type of player. Um, deadly by foot. Really, really elite in terms of his um, disposal by foot. So that that was the big wraps on him that he reads it well, can mark it well, can shut down really well, but great by foot. So I mean that's a really good prospect potentially. You have Reed, Ridley, and Cox um, as the three really tall defenders, all impeccable by foot. That's a that's a really good base to start off.
1: Yeah, I do remember reading um, around draft time that those two, but in particular Cox and Reed, uh, as they're good enough by foot that they can they can almost play on the wing, um,
0: mm. and it sounds
1: like Cox has got the uh, got the tank for it as well. So um, although I don't I don't think he'll go there, but um, that's that's really pleasing to don't mean have that sort of quality to come out of the backline and move it by foot, um, which would really yeah. suit Rutton's sort of game style as well. So um, that's really really pleasing.
0: Yeah, and look, if if they decide to put Nick Cox on the wing, he can't be worse than Tom Cutler, right? <laughs> um, he's, he's taller, he's going to market better, he's better by foot. Um, I have no issues with starting him on the wing. I think if we don't play him as a key position player by, you know, the peak of his career, I think we would have maybe um, not been getting the best out of him. But certainly to start there, I have no qualms with that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, mean, I just
1: don't... Um, I've never seen him play that position. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, just gonna be so mobile. Obviously, you can cover ground, but um, can you stop and start and and change direction? I I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. as, as much as you, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more straight line running in. Um, playing a key position, but uh, yeah, hey, if if they give it a mm-hmm. crack and it works, all power to it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now the next one we took was um. Was Josh Eyre at pick thirty nine? He was actually bid on by Richmond and Essendon matched it. He was from our um, NGA Academy, so he's. I, I may be incorrect, but he is actually of Indigenous descent, um, and given he was part of our zone, he joined the. Uh, is it the James Hurd Academy? What we call the father-son development program? Is that right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so so he was part of our NGA. Slash James Hurt Academy. So he's been around the club for a couple of years training. Um, he's a tall forward, 197 centimeters, 85 kilos. I actually heard an interview of him and I, I liked what I heard. He seemed like really had his head screwed on correctly. Um, he's quite confident and he jumped right out of the blocks, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, at the combine for the country when he, um, he was, I don't know what the numbers are, but he was incredibly fast for a tall forward. And his vertical leap was, I think, the best at the combine as well. So, and and he won, he came first or second in the time trial, the 3K time trial. So, his um, fitness, he didn't spend the COVID lockdown doing nothing. He got really, really fit and worked on his speed. So, um, exciting prospect, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. He's uh his clock six six and a half minutes in the two K time trial, which is uh very good. Two point nine eight seconds in a twenty minute sprint, which for a big boy like him is is very impressive. Um and recorded yeah, top ten running vertical jumps on both legs. So from a physical profile standpoint, he uh definitely fits the bill for a, a key forward. I'm just looking at a photo of him uh, lean, tall. Um probably the most filled out of the of the three big boys. Um so mm. again another um another one to add to the stocks, which could be a very, very powerful spine we see formulating here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing the thing too, that a lot of listeners may not know is that the reason that it's difficult for a twenty metre sprint for tall players or tall people in general is because um, for acceleration that you get over the first 20 metres, your stride length is too long. It takes you quite a while to get up to top speed, and that's part of the reason why Usain Bolt was so powerful as a sprinter is because he was able to mitigate that really well and actually had decent acceleration for his height. Um, now, if you have little Italian piston legs like you and I, Maddie, our acceleration is quite good because our, our stride length is small, so 20 metres is really easy for us. But for the tall boys, it, it can take a little bit of time. So that that's why under three seconds is so impressive for someone of that height.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember um, you uh, almost creaming your tweets when, uh, in our little group chat when uh, he posted that score at the combine. So glad we are able to get him and,
0: and two other quality tools. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we didn't just get two other quality tools. We actually got a third additional quality tool, so four all together. Um, and this is Cody Brand at pick 53. Now, I think Richmond bid on him as well, but cop that, Richmond. You might have won the premiership, but we got these two. Um, so he's from, again, an NGA player, uh, Calder Cannons, and he's a tall defender. So he's 195 and 84 kilos. Um, and he has been likened, this is a big call, right? But he's been likened, the type of defender that Dustin Fletcher is so or was so that is a very big call but yet another key back to add to the stocks
1: yeah I mean you never know um, you know you, you can be a key, key back in your junior days but be thrown forward or, or something like that so um, yeah uh, I, I, I again don't know too much on you um, but uh, I mean, we'll t- if, if another club's bidding on him. Uh, must have some sort of appeal. So, yeah, can't uh, can't complain with with four big boys.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and and I would throw um I would throw Caldwell in the mix as well. And um, I initially was surprised that we didn't go after more mids, particularly early. I would have thought with our list profile that we go for two mids and and one tall. But when you add um, Caldwell in as a 20-year-old, he's essentially another draftee as a mid. So if you look at those, those first rounders, we've gotten uh, Cox and Reed as the talls and Perkins and Caldwell as the midfielders. So actually, when you put it all together, it's quite balanced in terms of our drafting early in the draft. Yeah,
1: uh, just a side note, a fun fact. Uh, mates, teammates and lifelong Essendon fans... Cody Brand and Josh Haddy had, Say had Josh Josh Eyre. Josh Ayer. Josh Eyre. Uh, now Bombers for Real. So that's a that's a nice story. They've been uh, mates for a long time and lifelong SNM fans and now they're bombers for real together. So that's that's always that's, uh, it's always good.
0: That makes me happy on the inside.
1: It does. It's oh, I am oh, sorry, got off topic again, but it, there is like I, I suppose Zacharakis um was in this boat as well, but you do, you just, I'm, I'm not sure if you sort of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, live vicariously through them, but you do have really sort of a, a bit of a more of an emotional attachment with them when you know that they've been lifelong an fans and now they're playing and mm. living out their dream. Um, you just want to see them go well, don't you?
0: Yeah, or if they're the, uh, the son of a very yeah. famous family and, you know, that potentially had the father and three uncles play for them, you think <laughs> that'd keep you at the Anyway, we digress, we digress. <laughs> but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a call here. I potentially, particularly if Nick Cox becomes a defender, I think probably Josh Eyre might be that player that is next to Harrison Jones in a Lloyd Lucas double team.
1: Yeah, I, I do like that. I do like the idea of that. Just to, I mean, Harry Jones... Um, Seems to like a real sort of uh, contest pack mark type, um, where again, I mean, I haven't seen anything of Josh Air, but from his uh, profile results, you, you sort of, his his running is going to be his weapon, and sort of like a, a Nick Rewalt type, where you just sort of work your opponent over the ground, and that that sort of those two sort of players uh, will work hand in hand. Um going to work his man all over the ground, and that's going to leave um, plenty of room for Harrison Jones to. Uh, to get up and take his baths, so, although we could be a few years off that, but
0: um, I hope to see it sooner rather than later. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we've been, going, um, we've been going an hour, just on an hour right now. So um, why don't we take another short break and then we'll come back with the wrap-up, but we'll also discuss uh, where we think, what we think of the pre-season so far, of what we've seen of it, and what our predictions are this early on. For next year. So before the break, we were obviously discussing the the draft picks that that came in, and um, what we might have a chat about now is really how we think we went in terms of that whole period, and then what we've seen of the preseason so far, and you know how we're feeling about this upcoming season. So, Maddie why don't you take us away? How how do you feel we went overall, and what are you excited about? What's concerning you? Um, how are you feeling about twenty twenty one preseason so far?
1: Uh, surprisingly, really optimistic. As a, a probably unsurprisingly, given uh, the nothingness um, of uh, that we well, are, well, yeah, and fans that we are. But uh, look, I, I don't. There's not going to be an immediate payoff for um, what we sort of got in return for for what we lost. Um, no doubt about that. Um, but as we said before, i hate to see them just sort of put the arms up in the air and go, oh, you know, we're, we're developing. It's like, no, you still want to remain competitive and look to, you know, whether or not you can do it, you should still look to win a premiership um, because it's that competitive drive that is going to drive, you know, standards and culture and, and just a winning sort of uh, mentality amongst the group. So, um, but uh, look, I think what we've listed tonight, there's a lot more upside in the group than – Look, it's all potential. So it's all sort of what ifs at the moment and and maybe it never eventuates. Um, But no, I'm really really happy with how Trucks presented as well. Um, I I think that move to sort of, uh, you know, just fill out the walls of the Essendon um, change rooms. Although a really minuscule thing and, you know, it's got nothing to do with game plan or anything like that. Um, But as was discussed uh, I'm not sure if it's the end of the year or, or throughout the year. Um, it's finally a move in the right direction to make the hangar a, a home. Um, mm. Whereas, yeah, I, I tend to agree. For the last few years, it's just sort of felt like a, uh, almost a temporary rental. Um, so now, no, mm. he's sort of marking the territory and going, "No, this is this is our home." Um, and I guess he's the first coach who have had a chance to be there with a completely fresh book and fresh pages. So with Hurdy, when we moved there, um, Sada over his head, Wusha um, obviously having to clean up the whole um, Sada mess. But now with Rutten, uh, majority of the players that were involved in the in this saga moved on. He's got um, a, a young group that's ready to take the wheel um, and their list profile is going to allow them to take the wheel. And they seem to be responding really well to that. You're always going to hear the positives, but um, just get the sense that, as we said before, that young group, that, sorry, <laughs> that young crop is, is just taking ownership of it now. And we'll see um, a much different group start to take Essendon forward than what we've seen in years gone by. It's sort of a a turning, a turning page.
0: Yeah. One of the things I really liked um, was the fact that they've arranged a few training sessions at Windy Hill as well, um, which we discussed on a previous episode about potentially that loss of connection to the history of Essendon um, being an issue. So um, I'm really happy that that's happening. I'm, I agree with you. I think it's great that that Rutten has started to add some of that essence and flavor back in. I'm I'm not sold on Rutten yet, to be honest. I I'd, I'd like uh, some of the choices that he's making and the things that he's doing, but I'm still concerned about the end of last season and the issues we had in the hub. I as a student of culture and team building and those sorts of things. He's certainly doing the things that – a lot of things that I like. But I guess I'm going to be apprehensive until we see how they play and how the season plays out, to be honest. Um, because he's, he's saying and he's doing the right things so far from what we can see very far on the outside. But whether that's the reality, uh, I guess time will tell.
1: Yeah, I, I seem to uh... – I, I just see eye to eye on, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. We need to see games won and we need to see, uh, you know, an actual progression in the way we're competing in games. Um, but I, I think just the way he sees the sport in general and sees playing it, the way he's spoken, etc. cetera, um, I, I see eye to eye with. Um, so I think he takes on a very global view in that, um Inherently, there's nothing, you know. Don't just think about football, but think about the the. Uh, I'm sort of. Not, I'm not explaining this very well, but he'll, um, you know, speak, that there's there's in all sort of high performing um, or really successful organisations around the world, um, in any sport, there are certain um, principles that remain the same across all those organisations. Um, and that is regardless of the sport played, um, obviously. Um, and I, I like the fact that he's trying to bring that in and, and look sort of globally rather than just, well, this has worked well in footy and this is what was done in my day and this is how things are because of footy. So I do like that sort of uh, uh, view that he takes. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a results-based uh well, it's a profit-based business, but um, your profit is heavily dependent on your results. So I mean, what more can you really say? Then we'll see.
0: Yeah. I I would have to say that um, I give our off-season a pass. I'm, I'm not getting too carried away just yet. And time will tell, you know, in terms of development of, of the players that we've brought in. I'm really happy with the draftees. I'm really happy with Caldwell, um, but I I don't think I can give them anything more than a pass, given what the club lost to get to that point, and and all of those losses were purely at the feet of Essendon management. You know, injury management, club management, culture management, mismanagement of the football club to this point. So as good as the players coming in are and as exciting as they are, I'm not yet convinced that we're going to end up ahead, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I I think immediately, no, we're not going to end up ahead. Um, And I hope, (laughs) uh, I I really hope the the club doesn't take on this view either. You know, they say, hey, well, we're not going to be good yet. Um, Because as we said, I don't think that's how you approach a rebuild. You need to approach a rebuild like you were still going to go for the for the premiership, um, but anyway. Mm. Um, so yeah. sorry go.
0: So I agree. I I agree completely with you um, with what you're saying in terms of aiming for the premiership. But I think you can't do that under delusions. I think you need to be realistic about your processes and about your steps. Oh, of
1: course. But you know, what I'm saying is, you know, don't. Um, you still have to have that competitive drive that no matter who you're playing, you still go out there to win. Which you know you're not going out there to say, "Oh, we're getting experience into guys and we just want to develop," which we do. But I think you you develop through um, a real desire to win and compete, which can sometimes get lost when you just throw your hands up and say, "We're rebuilding," um, mm. despite the fact that well, we are. But you just can't concede that uh we're going to lose games. You know, you should still go out mm. there and, and with full intention to win. That's that's what I was getting at. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I, I if this is going to pay off, it's going to pay off in the long run. Um, so uh, yeah, like I said, in three or four years' time, we'll either look back on this and go, "Well, that really paid off. Thank gosh we we you know they walked out and we picked the guys that we did," or we'll go, "Damn, we really missed an opportunity by not managing." Um, those three and allowing those problems to to be created uh, but yeah it's a really a wait and see I wish I had more for the uh for the listeners but I think that's the reality yeah. situation is we'll just wait and see
0: yeah I um might leave our listeners with this one right so back in the gold rush when uh the miners were working in the mines and, and digging for gold and and you know they had their you know working by candlelight and, and lamps and, and had their picks and their shovels and they're digging and they'd be looking for that you nugget know, of gold. What they used to do is they'd have a canary in the mine. And when the gases became too much and the levels were too dangerous for humans to inhabit, um, the canary obviously would die first. And that would be an indicator that something is not right in this gold mine. You need to leave. Get out of there. It's dangerous. Now, if I was to pick a canary to represent the fortunes of the Essendon Football Club, my pick would be Jake Stringer. Because when Jake Stringer is in good shape, when he's lean, when he's fit, when he's firing, Essendon is sometimes unstoppable. And as we saw last year, when Jake Stringer is not lean and not fit and not firing, for sometimes reasons of not his own doing, you know, the syndesmosis injury is a big issue, but when he's not fit and firing, the fortunes of Essendon are very, very poor. So to me, Jake Stringer is our canary. So I just want to leave the listeners with this. Saw a picture the other day of Jake Stringer, and I have never seen a fitter Jake Stringer than I saw the other day. Make of that what you will. Well my friends, this has been The Don Father. Thanks for listening. Go Dons. <laughs> Go Dons.